got to read uh, something to you. You guys are prophetic people, right? You have to be prophetic. But so read between the lines. I heard this song this week. Now, I know Paul Simon in 1973 had no idea what he was writing, but that it would be a prophetic song 40-something years later. It's called Love Me Like a Rock. When I was a little boy, now listen, and the devil would call my name, I'd say, now, who do, who do you think you're fooling? I'm a consecrated boy, singer in a Sunday choir. Oh, my mama loves me. She gets down her knees and hugs me. She loves me like the rock of ages. When I was a grown man and the devil would call my name, I'd say, now, who do, who do you think you're fooling? I'm a consummated man. I can snatch a little purity. My mama loves me. She gets on her knees and loves me like a rock of ages. Then listen to the third one. And if I was the president and the Congress, instead of the devil, same thing in this case, and the devil called my name, I'd say, now, who do? Who do you think you're fooling? I've got the presidential seal. I'm up on the presidential podium. My mama loves me. She gets down on her knees and hugs me. She loves me like the rock of ages. Now, you've got to read between the lines, but when I heard that song, I thought, you know, we have the authority here. Who do you think you're fooling? The truth is going to prevail, and our God wins. And we're going to be who He's called us to be. The church especially. The president needs to be, and he will be, who he's called to be. But we've been consecrated. How many of you know you've been consecrated, set apart for the purposes of heaven for this hour? This is a day unlike any other. It's not normal. This is not church as normal. It's not kumbaya and then go out there. It's, it's something much deeper. And um, anyway, you, I want you in a little bit, I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Because I believe I have to deliver a word this morning that, that I'm going to go for it. You know, we, we can't. There's some things we can't pull down, but we can ask the Lord to pull them down. But we have to expose them. So I'm just going to be who I'm called to be. I'm a consecrated little boy. My mama loves me. And uh, she got on her knees. and She loved me. And I'm standing on the rock of ages. You know, Luke, speaking of... Well, let me just tell you this. Luke chapter 4. Jesus... You know, they, those, they gathered in the synagogue. They bore witness to him. They were marveling at the words that were coming out of his mouth. Well, he kept speaking, and their marveling changed. Their marveling became cursing. And he began to confront them how they rejected the truth. They rejected him. And uh, so what they did was they led him up outside, you know, on a hill. And uh, they were going to throw him over the hill. But you remember what he did. He walked right through the midst of them. And, uh, but the truth, you know, you're either going to love the truth or you're going to hate it. And the church is called to be the pillar and the support of the truth. All of us, we're the church. And, uh, you know, the gospel that we're called to preach, the gospel of the kingdom, say the gospel of the kingdom. It is a confrontational gospel. There's going to be a couple kingdoms collide in this hour. Now, there's only one kingdom that's unshakable, and that's the kingdom that we're called and, and we're a part of. But we are to carry His Word, and we too are going to be disliked, just like the Lord. In fact, I believe with all my heart, I heard someone say that 
the message we preach, we should either comfort the afflicted or we should be afflicting the comfortable. So if you're comforting, if you're comforted this morning, we may afflict you. But if you're afflicted, we pray that you'll be comforted. I want to remind you of a word the Lord gave us for 2020. Remember the scripture out of Zechariah. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. And there were four things that we saw. Well, I saw them, then I shared with them with you, and I think most of you saw them that seemed to fit with that scripture. And the first one was how Zechariah said, you know, I was like a man who was awakened out of my sleep. And the angel came and shook him. And we know that the only way a great awakening is going to happen in America is if it happens, but by the Spirit is being poured out all across the land. And then there were the, that about the mountains. Those mountains would be removed, those things that stand in the way, hindrances, whatever it is. And they would be removed by the grace of the Lord, but also they would be moved by an outpouring of the Spirit. And then there's in that scripture how God would use Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel did not despise the day of small beginnings. And uh, God used him to lay the foundation of the temple, and he was going to use him to finish what he started. And uh, that he was one of those that God sent, not one of those who just went. And how many of you know there's a big difference in that? And God's going to, we're going to know the difference in America again from those who just went, from those who were sent. I'm telling you, you're going to see it. And then the last thing was, remember he spoke about in the chapter before, how God could remove the iniquity of a land in an hour or in one day. And that can happen. Can, can a nation be saved in a day? Well, if God's the, if he's in charge and there's an outpouring of the Spirit, then we're believing that even the things that are impossible, God will do them. Now, I'm going to share this morning a scripture, and out of some scriptures that God spoke to me, actually, four years ago. And But I never had the freedom. I never really understood. You know, there's some things you don't want to share until you really have a little bit more understanding. You can share them out of your own understanding, but they probably are not going to get to where God has intended it to be. And so, uh, you know, we're just going to do it. Now, I was taught, I'm old school. You don't go to the Bible to get a message. You go to the Bible because you have a relationship with the one who wrote the Bible. And then out of the, the scriptures and out of your relationship and time with God, God will speak to you. And that's the way most of my messages come. I'm not thinking I got to preach. I got to read the scriptures so I can connect with him. I want to hear what thus saith the Lord is saying. And then, and this is one of those messages. He just spoke to me out of the scriptures. So I want you to pray for me. Will you pray? Extend your hands to me if you would. And then we're going to pray and, and we're just going to go for it this morning. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the worship. Lord, thank you that we've gathered in your name. And uh, Lord, all of us, we're standing on the rock of ages. We, we're on solid ground this morning. And everything is being shaken. Lord, there are things happening in this hour. It looks like the fulfillment of what you said when you said men's hearts will fail them from fear of the things coming on the earth. But we thank you that our hearts are not going to fail us from fear. In fact, we're going to become even more faithful, more confident, more assured because of the word of God that never returns void. So, Lord, we pray that you would give us now ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, we thank you.
Lord, we ask you to rise up, scatter the enemy. Lord, as we speak the truth in Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. I want you to go with me, if you would, to Job. Oh, no, we're going to Job. But we got to go to Job. And some things I've never, I didn't know existed in Job before. But Job chapter 40, and we're going to look towards the end of his life. It's toward the end of the, the book of Job, where he has conversation with God. And he's complaining a little bit, questioning. He'd lost everything, been stripped of everything that was dear to him. He was a man that, you know, it's like many stories you hear. Maybe he had never been sick a day in his life, and then all of a sudden, they're boils, painful boils. You, you remember that phrase when we pray sometimes for people? We pray you'll be healed from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. That's where that came from. Job had boils on his body from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet. He lost everything. Remember, it says the fire of God. That's interesting. I, when I read that, I had to circle that and think about it. The fire of God fell and burned up his sheep. Then it said raiders came and destroyed his camels and his servants. And then remember, a great wind came out and struck the building where his sons and, and children were. And they, the building collapsed and all of them were killed. At one point, Job said, God has delivered me. But it was a different kind of deliverance. He said, he's turned me over to the hands of the wicked. He said, my days are spent without hope, and my eyes will never see good again. I don't know if you know, that's, that's getting pretty, that's not too good. When you say that your eyes will never see good again. But even going to sleep wasn't working for Job. Because when he would go to sleep, he said this in Job chapter 7, verse 14. You scare me with dreams and terrify me with visions. And his wife had the answer to the problem. She said, well, why don't you just curse God and die, Job? That'd take care of everything. Just throw in the towel. And Job made that statement somewhere along the way that, you know, we may want to learn what it means today. He says, shall we accept good from God and not accept adversity? And I wonder how many in America would be able to say that today. But he's criticizing, he's asking God. And his friends were like the modern-day pundits today. You can see them on NBC or CBS or CNN or ABC. They're the commentators who have all the answers. Actually, they're doing exactly what Michael said. They're trying to tell us what to think. Rather than giving us the news, they're giving us their opinion. And uh, so I want us to go now, if you don't mind, to Job chapter 40. We're going to look through, and God, I believe, has given us a key, a secret to overcoming what I believe America is facing in this very hour. And so we're going to expose it, and we're going to ask God to pull it down. We know enough about what Jude warns us about. We can't pull this down. But we also know what the Scripture says, that the church is to make known the manifold wisdom of God to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And the Lord Himself said, Behold, I've given you authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm you. Now look in chapter 40. Beginning with verse 1, Moreover, the Lord answered Job and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Are you going to sit 
me straight, Job, in your complaints and uh, your questions. And he who rebukes God, let him, let him answer it. Then Job answered and said to the Lord, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I will lay my hand over my mouth once I've spoken, but I will not answer yet twice, but I will proceed no further. He says, I'm going to put my hand over my mouth. I don't have anything to say. I'm vile. That's not what he meant. He didn't mean I'm sinful by that word. What he meant was I'm little in your sight. You're such an awesome God. Who am I? I don't even know what I could say. But anyway, he still had it in his heart because God answers Job. Verse 6, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And you got to admit, Job probably felt that's where he's been over, you know, so many years. He's been in the midst of a whirlwind. Can I tell you, there's a whirlwind right now sweeping over America. And there are many people wondering what's going to happen. And uh, in verse 7, the Lord says to Job, Now prepare yourself like a man. Now when I read that, I thought, now God... You know, if you said that today in some churches and some denominations in America, you'd probably be censored or even maybe escorted out. What, what do you mean? Prepare yourself like a man. He meant exactly what he meant. Now, this is not, you know me, you guys that go, you've been around. This is not in any way a cut against the women. I'm so thankful for women that carry the torch of intercession into the midnight hour. We wouldn't be where we are. Had mama not got down on her knees. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, that was part of our consecration. And women are becoming mighty warriors. But men are to be men today. And I can tell you that women want men to be men. And there's been a subtle assault against manhood. Against, uh, you know, being the role of a man. Now we remember, we have to look at this again, what our friend from Germany told us. And uh, the scripture that he shared with us out of Isaiah 32 in regards to the role of a man. America needs to hear that. A man shall be a hiding place from the wind. In other words, when the whirlwind comes, a man is to be a shelter in that wind. And then secondly, a cover from the tempest or from the storms. This week I had a dream. I had a couple dreams. I'm going to share them with you. But one of them, I saw the storm clouds over the land. And they were dark gray and they, they were black. A lot of them were black. But I saw a red tint in the storm clouds. And I don't know fully what the red tint was. I think I know. But all I know, there are great storm clouds over the land. And a man is to be part of the, the solution. And he's to give hope in the midst of the storm. And then thirdly, a man is to be like a river of water in a dry place. I mean, if you know, America right now is a dry place. And a man... Or a woman, either one. We're to be wells of living water. Out of our innermost being should flow living water. The Holy Spirit. We should be the ones that bring the refreshing. We're the only ones that have the answer. And a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. In other words, we're to be a covering. People are looking for protection. And I thank God for women, but I thank God for manhood. And we need a movement of men in America again. And God's going to breathe upon men. They're going to be movements, mighty men of God that are going to be raised up. Men of faith, men of confidence, men of integrity. Men, when they speak, you know they're speaking the truth. And then let's go back to verse 7. And so God says, now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you, can, you shall answer me. So in other words, God had something he had to say. Verse 8, he asked some questions. Would you indeed annul my judgment? 
Now, what, what kind of question is that? God asked Job, would you annul my judgment? Well, you can go over, we won't read there now, but Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 7, it speaks about how my people do not even know the judgments anymore. We've been taught that God even, God's not a God that judges. But I can tell you that He is a judge. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He loves, but He's also a God of justice, justice and righteousness. And so He says, would you indeed annul, can you stop my judgment, Job? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? What are you looking to do, Job? Justify yourself? Prove me to be wrong and, you know, make sure that I admit that you're right? You know, there are a lot of people, they want to be right. They want to be right and they'll go at whatever expense. Listen, it's not about you and me being right. It's about our being right with Him is what matters. That's all that matters. You don't have to be right. You don't have to fight for that. In fact, in Jesus, we've given up our rights. And we've gained something that no right could ever give us. See, we're right with Him. We're sons and daughters of the living God. So he says, have you, in verse 9, have you an arm like me? Do you have the power, Job, like I have? Or can you thunder with a voice like His? And I'm telling you, we need thunder in the pulpits again in America. I know people say you need to preach quietly, don't shout. Well, maybe... I know it's shouting is not going to mean anything. But we need thunder regardless. When we were in Houston, Texas, this last time, and they asked me to be a part of that Great Awakening Prayer Conference or prayer. No, you. You were the one that introduced me to those guys, and they invited us down. We were part of that. Got to speak. It was an amazing time. But on that Sunday, did you hear what happened? We're preaching, and it thundered. Now, I thought it was an airplane. Oh, ye of little faith. You know, I thought it's an airplane. It's not thunder. And he said, no, after the pastor said, no, that was not an airplane. This is not, there's no airplane that was thunder. And all I know, I don't care. All I know, whoever the thunder comes from, thunder can come from Adeline over there. We just need thunder today in America. We need to know, thus saith the Lord. We need to know that God is speaking again in the land. And then it's verse 10, then adorn yourself with majesty and splendor. And array yourself with glory and beauty. God says, Job, is this about your glory? Or is it about mine? Disperse. Can you disperse the rage of your wrath? Can you look on everyone who is proud and humble him? How I many of you know there's a little pride running around today? He says, are you the one that can, that can humble them? Look on everyone who is proud and bring him low. Or tread down the wicked in their place. Job, are you the one that can do my job, in other words? Can you, verse 13, now, it's, the context is, can you, he's still asking questions, or hide them in the dust altogether, or bind their faces in hidden darkness? Now, I've got to confess to you, I didn't watch much of those hearings, but, you know, that trial, but there's some faces on, on television that I wish, I'm just going to confess, I wish I could bind their faces in hidden darkness, but I can't do that. That's not even my role, and I'm not even going to try. And that's what God is asking Job. Are you able to bind their faces in hidden darkness? If you can do that, look in verse 14. Then God, then, if you can do all the things I've just said, then I will also confess to you that your own right hand can save you. I'll say, okay, Job, you do this, you can save yourself. But how many of you know that's not the answer? Not the answer at all. Now look over, if you would, in uh, chapter 41. Let's skip down. 
Now, this is a puzzlement in some ways. I mean, the whole book of Job is about Job losing everything and his friends giving him the reasons. And then all of a sudden, in walks this creature called Leviathan, this beast. And I would tell you, it was not by accident that God put Leviathan in the book of Job. Job needed to understand what he was facing. And I tell you, America needs to understand what we're facing in this hour. It's something far greater than just those who we, we may not, we may not agree with their political stance. It's something far deeper. Chapter 41 in verse 1, he begins to, to go into detail about this beast, this sea creature called Leviathan. He said, can you draw out Leviathan with a hook? In other words, are you able to, to capture this creature or snare his tongue with a line which you lower? How many of you know we would like to snare the tongue? The tongue can set an entire nation on fire. And the tongues today, are, that's exactly what the goal is, to set the nation on fire. But can you take care of that, Job? Are you able? Verse 2, can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you, this Leviathan? The spirit behind Leviathan is what we're most concerned with. Will he speak softly to you? Will he make a covenant with you? In other words, is all of a sudden Leviathan going to sign a peace treaty with you? Is it Leviathan's goal just to get along? That's not the goal of Leviathan. It's not to build a covenant, to sign an agreement, to say, okay, let's just all get along. You're okay and I'm okay. No, Leviathan's opinion is, I'm okay and you're not. And until you change, you won't be okay. And I'm going to see to it because you can read the rest of it. And we'll see. Will you take him as a servant forever? Then verse 5, will you play with him as with a bird? Now, this is where I need to share a dream that some of you have heard before. But, you know, some dreams, you don't really get the full revelation until later on. When I read this, I understood what it is I saw in that dream. It's like the dream that I had about Billy Graham's keys. And I never understood about who that couple was sitting on the bench from England. A prayer leader. I'll talk about him another time. But anyway, he's leading a global prayer movement, came to visit me in this place. And, and actually, we were in Wilkesboro and having breakfast. And I shared that dream, and he told me who the couple of England was, and it made sense. And I'll share that at another time. But in this dream that I had, I was playing with a little garden snake, and I had a rake in my hand. Some of you will remember. Some of you never, you never heard it. But I'm playing with this little snake. And then all of a sudden, this little snake behind my rake in the garden pushes my rake aside and grows into a gigantic serpent. Dragon, serpent, beast. All I know is, is what I was staring at. I knew if he took one, one move toward me, I was gone. I had no hope. This was a creature I'd never seen before. And then I did what you would do too if you saw what I saw in that dream. I started backing up like this. But wouldn't you know, somehow I guess I'm on the street because I run into the curb and I trip and fall over. And I'm lying on my back and that creature's looking at me, bending over. And I knew 
I didn't stand a chance. And then the scene shifted in the dream. Thank God it shifted. And I'm sitting in a barber's chair getting my hair cut. Getting my hair cut. And the barber then all of a sudden stops cutting my hair, takes a measuring tape, remember, out of his pocket, comes around, puts the measuring tape across my heart. And then I woke up. And now I understand who that creature was. And the Lord was showing me that America is going to face this creature in this hour. But that you and I have been groomed for such a time as this. And the issue, we will not overcome this creature because we have knowledge or because we've attained any status or a military might. It's about our heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They're going to see God working in their families. They'll see God at work in their communities. And they'll see God at work in their nation. It's the pure of heart. Those that are pure of heart that God's looking for. But I knew... Exactly who I was standing against. Now let's go on and read the rest of that. Job is still being questioned by God. He says, will you lease him for your maidens? Will your companions make a banquet for him? Are you going to appease him? Maybe invite him over to your highfalutin party or something. Someone that's of this. And you're going to get along all of a sudden. Will they apportion him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons? Or his head with fishing spears. Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle, God says. Never do it again. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Now this is what God told Job concerning Leviathan. And I tell you, it's a word for America. Shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him? No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Now, when I read this, I thought, God, you sure we're supposed to stir up Leviathan? And I felt like he said to me, son, you don't have to stir him up. He's already been stirred. He's already roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. And it's time that you know what the Scripture has to say. There's a strategy in overcoming him. He says, who then is able to stand? Here's the key. Who then is able to stand against me? This is what God says. Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. And then he goes on explaining a little bit more of who Leviathan is. Verse 12, I'll read it quickly, but it's very important. How many of you knew all this was in the Scripture? But you see, there are some things we've never seen it quite like this before. Verse 12, I will not conceal his limbs... His mighty power or His graceful proportions. In other words, you're going to see who this creature is. Who can remove His outer coat? Who can approach Him with a double bridle? Who can open the doors of His face with His terrible teeth all around? His rows of scales are His pride. Remember that. Shut up tightly as with a seal. One is so near another that no air can come between them that are joined one with another. They stick together and cannot be parted. And I tell you, that's exactly what's happening right now. There are some that may not agree with some of those and some of their views, but because their enemy is the same enemy, and ultimately their enemy is God, 
then they're on the same team and you're not going to be able to separate them. Isn't it something? There's great unity under the courts of hell, but there's little unity into the court of heaven, into the church of the living God. Hell is in unity. Now, they may appear to be divided at times, but they have the same goal. And I tell you, it's not impeachment. The goal is enslavement. The goal is destruction. And I'll show you that in just a moment. It's so plain in the Scripture. Goes on in verse 8, His sneezings flash forth, and His eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of His mouth go burning lights. Sparks of fire shoot out. Smoke goes out of His nostrils. Anger and rage. Anger and rage. This is all just... These are the, the things how you can recognize the Spirit when you see this rage and this anger. I tell you, it's not an anger and rage against Trump. Now, that, that is what it may look like. There's something far deeper. And this is what we're reading about this morning. Smoke goes out of his nostrils. As from a boiling pot and burning rushes, his breath kindles coals and a flame goes out of his mouth. Strength dwells in his neck. Verse 24. His heart is as hard as stone. You hear that? It's what we're facing in America. Their heart is as hard as stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. Because of his crashings, they are beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, it cannot prevail, nor does spear, dart, or javelin. Verse 28, the arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones become like stubble to him. Darts are regarded as straw. In other words, we're not facing some ordinary Goliath here. This is something far greater than Goliath. He's the God of all the Goliaths of all of history. He laughs at the threat of javelins. He goes on. You can read in verse 30, 31, and 32. Verse 33. On earth there is nothing like him which is made without fear. Behold, and he, for he, behold, he beholds every high thing. He is... King over all the children of pride. Now you've wondered. You know, Jesus said, either you're for me or you're against me. If you're not for him in this hour, you're against him. And if you're against him, you're of your father, who is Leviathan, who's just a type of Satan. The father of all lies. And it's so plain in the Scripture. And the question is, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? Is there any answer? And I tell you, there is an answer. There is, and it's all in the Scripture. How many of you know that God would not present Leviathan and tell you that any attempt to overturn him or overcome him is false and then not show you the answer to overcoming him? Because our God is not a God that leads us in defeat. He's a God that leads us in triumph. But it has to do with the nation whose God is the Lord. The nations whose God is the Lord will triumph. And I know there's a nation within a nation. But there's an answer in the Scripture. So you want to see the answer to this. How do we overcome Leviathan? How do we overcome what's facing the nation? Because every attempt has failed. And there may be little victories, but we want to see the ultimate. So there's an answer. Look in chapter 42. Then Job answered the Lord and said, 
I know that you can do everything. Now let me give you two things before we go to that verse 2 because they're important. First of all, and this is all in the context. Job had to acknowledge the degree and the depth of the trouble that he was in. And that he couldn't save himself. Let me ask you, the thief does not come except for three purposes. What are they? You think Jesus meant what he said? He said the thief does not come for any other reason except. That's why he used that word except. There's no other reason Leviathan has come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that's all it's going to be. Now, I'm going to get a little personal, but I've seen it happen in the New Testament, so I have precedent. I have authority. But I heard this week Adam Schiff on the floor of the Senate in presenting his, his arguments. He said in all of his ramblings and repeating himself over and over, he said, we must not divorce ourselves from the international order. And I thought to myself, God, I'm, I wonder how many... I wonder how many church people even know what he's talking about, much less people in the nation. Exactly, here's what he's talking about. Number one, this is not about impeachment. This is a battle between globalism and nationalism. Between one world government and the freedom to govern yourselves as a nation and as a state, as a sovereign nation. God is the God that set the borders and the boundaries. And he ordained that people would live in those boundaries that they might seek and grope after him. And then it's also the right to choose one's own course, decision, freedom, to go the way they've chosen, to follow the Lord. It's common good versus individual freedom. And then it's also, it's about whether America's going to be a sheep nation or a goat nation. One or the other. You can't somehow line up in between. And they're those that want to make us. And then it's also speaking clearly in the international order, the globalists, the one world government. It's about whether we're going to be a nation under the Antichrist or we're going to be a nation that trumpets and lifts the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's not a sit. It's, it's something far more. It's, a, it's about the acknowledgement of God or the rejection of him. There's nothing less. So what do we do? There's a blueprint. And the first one was acknowledge the degree, the depth of the trouble that we're in. Secondly, Job had to acknowledge the nature of what he was facing. And what he is facing was truly beyond his own ability to overcome. Now that not only regards to Job, it's not only speaking about the nation. That's where you and I live every single day. What we're facing are not normal Goliath, I mean, I know David faced Goliath and he took him down. And we have those stones and we're going to sling them with all we've got. And we're going to do it. But we got to know the one that's greater inside of us in this hour. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. And you got to know him. You may not know all the answers, but you got to know him. You got to know him as your God. You got to know his word. You've got to be willing to stand on His Word. No cowards. No cowards. All cowards will have their place in the lake that burns with fire. All of the sexual immoral, in the church or out of the church, 
He couldn't have been more plain that sexually immoral will have their place in the lake that burns with fire. And there's, you can read all of the lists. It's all there, part of the same scripture. Now, there are ten more things if we're going to overcome this in this hour. And Job, we already read it in verse 2. I know that you... Job had to get his attention off of himself. He had to get his attention on the one you in the beginning. God created. He had to go back to the one who had all authority. Listen, this is not about the Democrats versus the Republicans. That's what they want to make it into, to make us battle against flesh and blood. We're not battling against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers in the heavenly places. It's not about an election. It's about our survival. It's not about an impeachment. It's about the destruction of everything that we know. It's about our children's future, our grandchildren. There's no other reason that Leviathan has come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we've got to be men of faith and women of faith. But we've got to know the one who is the God. The Lord shall go forth like a mighty man, the Scripture says in Isaiah 42. He shall stir up his zeal like a man of war. And this is what we're going to call on. Job had to recognize the trouble. Most don't even know. I tell you, they don't even know how close we are to losing our freedom. And I hear sometimes, you know, some brave senator or congressman tell the truth. But the church should be telling the truth. I met with some pastors recently and and you talk about stuff like this, and it's like it goes right over their head. And I wonder, what are they telling their people? What is this? This is not a normal hour. They must be soldiers. They're going to have to be warriors. Because those that endure to the end shall be saved. Amen. And we can't give up. You can't, if we have produced only people that give up in the midst of the fight, then what have we done? We're called to be overcomers. We're called to be more than conquerors. You, God, you. It's not man-centered. It's God-centered. The Scripture says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of the heavens and the earth. Some trust in their horses. Some trust in their chariots. I can tell you America's military might is not the answer. The answer is America's God as to who is the Lord God over this land, and so whether we still trust Him or not. And then the fourthly, he says, I know that you can do everything. You know, it's one thing to believe that God can do anything. But sometimes that's a cop-out. I've heard people say, I believe God can do anything. And then when He doesn't do it, that gives them an out. They say, well, God must have not wanted to do it. Listen, yes, He is a God that can do anything, but He's a God that can do everything. Everything. That's what Job said. You're the God that can do everything. Say everything. I'm telling you, it's a shift in faith. There's something beyond where we've walked in. And God wants to release that kind of gift to the church. You're the God that can do everything. Job understood it. He said in Job, He makes God is the one. He makes the nations great and He destroys them. He enlarges nations, and He's also the one who guides them. He is the one who takes away the understanding of the leaders, of the people, their chiefs, and makes them wander in pathless wilderness. That's Job chapter 12. Job knew that both the deceived and the deceiver belonged to Him. 
chapter 12, verse 16. He says he loosens the bonds of kings, but he also binds their waist with a belt so they can't get set free. I, I added that last little parenthesis. He's the one that binds their waist with a belt. He deprives trusted ones of speech and takes away the discernment of the elders. One of his friends said that he's the one even that would devise or frustrate the devices of the crafty so that he cannot carry out his plans. That's the kind of God. Remember we saw that in history there was a group of people, some of our forefathers, they were called the apostles of the possible. How many of you, you remember that? We spoke about it. Well, we need in 2020 some apostles of the possible. They believe that nothing is impossible with him, and he's the God that can do everything. And then the next thing, he says, I know you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. In other words, when, we, when our purpose is in alignment with God's purpose, guess who wins? Guess who wins? I'm going to show you something. Look over in Isaiah 14. I know you, you're familiar with the scripture, but let me read it again because it's his word. It's not the opinion of a man. It's the word of God that doesn't return void. Verse 24, the Lord of hosts has sworn. Now, you know, if God swears, that's, that means it's going to happen. I didn't even know he swears, but it's a different kind of swearing. You understand that? The Lord has sworn saying, surely as I have thought, so it shall come to pass, verse 24. And as I purpose, so it shall stand. Look at the next verse. That I will break the Assyrian. I will break. Now, I can insert because it's, I know what the Assyrian represents. I will break the spirit of Leviathan in my land. When it's his land, he can break it. When it's man's land, it's a different story. I will break the Assyrian. And on my mountain tread him underfoot. This is what God says. My mountain. Verse 26. This is the purpose that is purpose against the whole earth. Verse 27. For the Lord of hosts is purpose and who can annul it? Just like he said, Job, you're going to annul my judgments? You're going to, no, you're going to not, no one will annul my purpose. And his hand is stretched out and who will turn it back? And I say no one, just like someone said, it's not going to happen. So the next thing, go back to chapter 42, there'll be no purpose. When we're connected with God's purposes, nothing can keep us and hold us back. We will stand and we'll see what God's promised. And then uh, verse 3, something else, says, you ask, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. This is what Job said. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Basically, Job confessed that he didn't know what to do. Now listen to me. That was not a weakness. That was strength. To confess your weakness means you're on the path to finding the source of your strength. We're to boast in our weakness. We don't boast that we have it all together in our great military might. We boast in that... We belong to Him and that we know Him. We know the one who does. Remember, we've spoken about this many times, but we never have preached on it. I don't know why, but in, you know that scripture where Jehoshaphat, a great multitude was coming against him from beyond the sea. 
It's a lot like what we're facing today. But the, the multitude is not coming from beyond the sea. The multitude is coming from our neighbors and our neighborhoods and the Senate and the Congress. And they're coming. And what did Jehoshaphat do? First of all, he feared. It's not a bad thing. Because his fear led him to seek the Lord. And you remember what Jehoshaphat prayed. He gathered together. And he said, oh God. We, you, can, you can read this. This is a word for 2020. I tell you, if the leaders in our nation would gather on the capital steps and they would, like Jehoshaphat, cry out to God and say, Oh God, we don't know what to do. We don't have the answers. We know, like Job, we cannot save ourselves. But God, we want you to know, we repent for taking our eyes off of you. And today, we place them back upon you. And we acknowledge you as Lord over this land. And there's no hope without you. But with you, there's great hope. And that's what Jehoshaphat prayed. Oh God, we don't know what to do. 2020 is not a year of getting our vision. 2020 is a year of God's vision coming to pass on the earth. God, what do you want to do? And crying out to heaven and letting him come. He will. And I'm telling you, it's a word. It, it, it happened in Jehoshaphat's day. God sent an army. They didn't have to do anything in that day. And the enemy was routed, defeated. And the corpse was lying all over. And God will do it again in our day. How I many of you know He will? He's faithful in His land. But we have to make that declaration and we have to turn to Him. And then another thing is in verse 5, just a few more now, this is probably the most important of all. I've heard of you. This is Job. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. And therefore, I abhor myself and repent and dust and ashes. Now, first of all, it says, but now my eye sees you. I believe that in America, there have been so many sons and daughters, husbands, wives, men and women, all political persuasions. We, God is no respecter of political persuasion. But there are many that only have heard about Him. By the hearing of their ear, they've heard a little bit about God. But now they're going to see Him. Their eyes are going to be open. And there's going to be a great harvest. God will rescue you in the midst of the harvest. He'll come if we call on His name. And acknowledge our absolute dependence. Nothing left but God must be our hope. But I believe this also speaks of what Job, he said, now my eye sees you, I abhor, I repent in dust and ashes. And it speaks of repentance. We must repent. Most of you know what that word means, don't you? It means to turn or to change. You change your mind. How do you change your mind? How do you change a, a nation's mind? The only way I know is not by the pundits on TV. It's by preaching the word of God. It's the Word of God that renews the mind. So you trumpet the Word. And then the nation says, okay, that's what God's opinion is. So I change my mind in accordance to what God has said is true. And that's repentance. And we need that. And it takes humility. Isaiah 59, behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. He, he, can't, he can reach this nation. He can reach our children. His hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that your hands are defiled with blood, innocent blood, 
and your lips have spoken lies. Somebody, I was speaking this week with a friend, and he was reminding me about one of the church fathers, Ignatius, and he believed as in the 1500s, that if you were not living in a state of repentance, moving toward God and repentance, a constant state, then you were automatically moving the opposite way toward destruction. Your state would be destruction. And I tell you, this has been one of the devices of the devil in this hour, is to teach in the nation, the church, much of the church, that you no longer have to repent anymore. It's been a subtle device to divide and destroy and to get Americans off of the course that leads to life. The wages of sin is still death, and there's no other way around it. The thief does not come for any other reason except to steal, kill, and destroy. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Repentance was the key that saved entire cities. Nineveh was saved from destruction because of repentance. And I tell you that America can be saved because of repentance. Repentance. And I pray for that. We need an old-fashioned move of repentance in the land today. The churches, we've got to have the spirit of repentance. And that's a gift. But it's also an act of humility. Psalm 30 says you, you turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men, to me. And this is what God says. You're either going toward destruction or you're going to repent and turn toward me. There's life. There's hope. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. And then the next thing is, notice down in verse 7, and so it was after the Lord had spoken these words that the Lord said to Eliphaz, the Temanite, my wrath has aroused my wrath. My wrath has aroused against you and your friends for you've spoken of me what you've not spoken what is right as your sermon Job. And he's speaking to the, his friends, of course, but it's the wrath of God. It's not the wrath of the devil. I remind you, the devil asked permission. Can I tell you, obviously, Leviathan, I know it's not the only thing we face, but it's one of the big ones. And Leviathan has obviously asked permission. And it's the wrath of God. David said in Psalm 51, For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Listen, against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. And then he goes on to say that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Now, God is not a cruel God. He's a forgiving God. He's a loving God. But there's only one way to get in line with his love and forgiveness, and that's by way of the cross. You have to go to the cross. You have to give up your life. You have to choose Jesus. That means die to yourself and follow him. And America needs to hear that message once again. It's not about being religious. A lot of religious people are going to be found on the rolls in hell. It's only those that have taken up their cross and followed him and chosen to make him their Lord. Either he's Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And it's got to be trumpeted once again in the land. And you can't live like you want to live. I hear their denominations today making their stand toward ungodliness and toward sin. Toward things that the Bible absolutely defines as sin. And they call themselves believers. One is running for president. 
I tell you, nothing could be further from the truth. He's not a believer. Don't be fooled. He's not a believer. A believer takes on the nature of his father. And an unbeliever will take on the nature of his father. And it's plain in the scripture. It's not about how what we've decided is right or wrong. It's what God has said in his word. It's thus saith the Lord. And then the next thing, we've only got two more. Job was used to bring deliverance to his friends. Now, this is what I had to get to. God has called us to intercede. And you can read this. Look in verse 10 of chapter 42. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had done before. Now, we've already spoken about this, but we need to remind ourselves, and there are a lot of people that don't know. Remember Psalm 2. It's a strategy for the hour that we're living. Remember, the nations are raging and the people are plotting vain things. You remember that. And he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. But we've already discovered he's not going to laugh forever, is he? It says, after that, then he spoke to them in his wrath and in his displeasure. Well, what in you and I to do? The very nations that were angry, the very ones that followed Leviathan, that were filled with rage. The Bible says just right after that in the same chapter, Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as your inheritance, and the ends of the earth as your possession. The very ones that wanted to kill you, Jesus said, pray for them. They are the ones that are going to come in as a part of a great last day harvest of souls. Now, that only can be God. In other words, God so loved the world. He so loves Adam Schiff. God so loves Nancy Pelosi. He so loves that one running for president. He loves the world that he gave his only son. And so that's why he says in Psalm 2, I'm angry. The nations are raging. And I'm going to, my wrath, but you pray, ask of me. And I'll give you the nations as your inheritance. Well, what a great God. David prayed for his accusers. And the heart cry of God in this hour is that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Is anybody with me? We pray for them. We we don't back off sin to sin. Name that kick butt name names. But we tell them, Jesus died for you, my friend. You don't have to go to hell. There's a heaven. Jesus came so that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. And then the last thing was. And this is how this fits with our nation. In chapter 42, in verse 10 that we read, and then over in verse 12 as well, we see that God, the Lord, blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000. You can read the rest of it. But he blessed Job. Everything that he lost, he received to the degree that his children, his daughters, were some of the most beautiful daughters on the face of the earth. What am I saying? America's best days can still yet be before us. The great, the greatest restoration in all of the history books. I know the history books are filled with nations that have come and nations that have fallen. But the history book has yet been written about the United States. Some have given up. I'm telling you, God would not reveal His Word if He's given up. He is not a God that has given up. It's His will that none should perish. And He's come to save not only individuals, He's come to save nations. And there's a strategy right out of the book of Job. I'm telling you, we have not lost anything to the degree in this nation that Job has lost. Not yet. It could go there. 
But I'm telling you, there's a better way. And you can run. You can turn to Him. And He'll be faithful. He's a good God. He's a good God. And He is a loving God. But the opposite of knowing Him is the wrath of God. And the answer is the cross. The cross bridges the gap. Amen? Bridges the gap so that we can be free. So, Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for your word that it will not return void. I pray that it would accomplish your purpose. Lord, in this land and in the nations, God, we just pray, Lord, we call on you. We repent. We ask you to forgive us. We acknowledge our only hope is in heaven. Our only hope. We lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from, the maker of the heavens and the earth. And Lord, we ask you in the name of Jesus to release a great gift of repentance across the nation. Lord, we ask that that gift be dispersed in every denomination, in every church across the land. And God, we also ask you, Lord, to rise up. Rise up, mighty man of war, and scatter your enemy. God, we ask you as the church of Jesus Christ to pull down Leviathan in this land. Pull down that spirit, O God. Rise up, O God. Those whom we can't overcome, you have already overcome. And we stand on the finished works of Calvary. And we say, Lord, pull it down and let victory come. Let America get to the place where Job, where everything was restored. We thank you there was a ladder in that God had in mind. A ladder in that Job was going to discover. And we thank you, God. He couldn't save himself. But you were the one that saved him. And you're the one that can save our sons, our daughters, and this land. And we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.